The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor for the magazine. In this episode, you'll hear from Stacey Scapano, Chief Technology Officer with Skender, a Chicago-based construction firm that has shifted its focus to the modular market in the past five years. We discuss the growing market for prefabricated construction, with Stacey revealing how excellent design, lean manufacturing, and clear communication can save time and money. He also discusses the potential for modulars to help meet shortages in workforce housing. Stacey, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Happy to do it, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So Skender began as a modular construction, or began looking at modular construction five or six years ago. Um, What opportunity did did your company see in the existing marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. So Skender, as a builder, had been you know, driving a lot of innovation in the market that we've kind of seen over the last past couple of decades, especially around how we practice construction and and as much as we could adopting lean manufacturing principles to make our systems as efficient as possible. Um, You know, at at some point when you lean your organization, your processes down, you know, you begin getting kind of, it sounds a bit pejorative, but diminishing returns. You're as lean as possible. You've, 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 you've bled the turnip. Um, you know, that combined with, you know, all the innovation, all the structural challenges that we have in construction and contracting at large. And, you know, if you continue to zoom out real estate at large, you know, from the perspective of a builder, you know, we just kind of found ourselves continuing to operate in a relatively low profit margin industry, um, that had a lot of structural challenges to it. You know, we continue to f- fight a, a labor shortage. Uh, we have a 40 year history of relatively flat productivity gains and, um, it's it, kind of a root cause to some of the bigger challenges that we're facing across the planet with affordable housing and, and even kind of the waste that kind of point towards uh, a number of the climate impact conversations that are also going on. So, there were there were a lot pointing us into a direction of what could we be doing differently. And if anyone's seen that productivity curve comparison between construction and manufacturing, the answer was actually staring staring at you in the um, in that curve. And what could we do to be more efficient and drive productivity, which has a bunch of downstream benefits. Now, historically, some expect modular units to be a bit boxy uh, and not all that visually appealing. Uh, but construction methods and, and design have improved in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, what factors are behind this progress? Yeah, I, it, it's, a, it's a common misconception. Uh, if you look at the advances in design capabilities and technologies, I think, uh, especially adding a, a bunch more brute force computing power through building information modeling allows us to do something with modular that I, I think as far as the timing of in, uh, investing or mobilizing an offsite or modular approach yeah, makes it really compelling. I mean, the, these advanced design tools allow us to design for productive uh, for mass production, which kind of lends itself to that assumption that you were talking about about being boxy or, or very vanilla, uh, but being able to 
not do that at a sacrifice of mass customization. There's, you know, you add a bunch of Lego blocks together and my goodness, you can, you can do Batman, you can do a aircraft carrier, you can do a rocket ship. And it's really, what can you be doing with these kind of fundamental units of spaces that can be creatively put together that gives you that ability to customize for an end user, whether or not that's in a room or housing unit or whether or not that scales up into the overall project itself and and what people perceive of the project or the development from street level. And there's just there's a lot more dials uh, on the dashboard to kind of drive that mass customization without the sacrifice. Um, and, and it's a it, it's a really exciting time when people think of modular. Um, they, the first thought might be multifamily. Um, but what other sectors in commercial real estate can benefit from from these type of units? Is there is there a promising uh, sector or two that you see? Yeah, absolutely. So it, multifamily, you need to kind of soften or zoom the lens out a little bit into really the driver and the kind of the real pain point in the market around affordable housing at large. And so there's a lot of segmentation there to continue to, to, to kind of refine when you look at a modular approach and its opportunities. You've got senior living and we're kind of on a precipice of what products are, are needed in kind of this, you know, early retirement of boomers to kind of the, the evolution of the acuity of care over time with, with, with those demographics. You have affordability at market rate for kind of the, the maturing millennial, the family development dynamics that are going on with maturing millennials and professionals. And then on the other side of the conversation, you have kind of a community development uh, initiatives around, you know, around the nation, around the globe that's driving kind of housing and all of its flavors. You have some other adjacencies like workforce housing dynamics that's also part of the, the national discourse. There's disaster relief housing, temporary housing. So you know, the, the housing conversation, when you zoom out, you begin to see a lot of nuance and a lot of facets that modular lends itself really well to. And then you can then start looking at parallel markets and hospitalities are the home away from home, right? So uh, the, the, hotel, the, the hotel facilities that are out there, the aggressiveness of the development of, of the hospitality industry, the, the needing to do brand refresh, the expansion of portfolios. That's that's all part and parcel, um, you know, a, a great opportunity for modular to kind of fold into, as well as the healthcare, which is kind of, again, related to some of those demographic dynamics I talked about earlier. You know, what what is primary care when the majority of healthcare costs are born out of blood pressure checks, temperature and writing a prescription? So what can we do as investments in retail or legacy assets in retail may need to be repurposed in a modular approach to repurposing or even new builds um, gets really interesting when you look at some of the development dynamics going on in the healthcare markets as well. Yeah. And you mentioned the workforce housing uh, being in short supply um, and cost and, efic- cost and efficiency are two, two of the big benefits that modular offers. Um, but but as a as a modular manufacturer, what do you need to do in terms of planning, design, and logistics to to realize these benefits? Yeah, I I think this is where it gets really exciting is the actual business model of modular uh, and, and and really unpacking what we've historically have thought about our industries, whether or not you're a developer, or a designer, or a builder. 
you know, we tend to kind of move around our careers from this project to project unit of measure. Uh, you know, you've got an address that you think about and when you're done, you, you move on to the next one or you add them all up to, to make a portfolio. And that's that uniqueness makes it structurally impossible in our industry to drive an economy of scale. And so when we say modular and when we say manufacturing, it's the opportunity for us to find common denominators across that portfolio or inside that project, or even better when it's across those adjacent markets that I was just describing. And that's kicking on a business model that has this uh, a new dimension of an economy of scale to it. And that's what's, it's a different lens and it's probably the, the most unsaid, most significant lens about this movement. So when we now are moving from a project to a product mentality, um, and even further into what is this platform and how can we skin it up or skin it down, those economies of scale, that, that entire business model is driving an affordability conversation you know, at large, and that will uh, directly impact the housing uh, equation for sure. So it's kind of recently opened a, a manufacturing facility on, in the southwest uh, side of Chicago. Um, what challenges come are associated with being located in a major urban market? Um, and what opportunities do you see, uh, you know, being in, in the heart of Chicago? Sure, absolutely. I mean, the challenges with being smack dab in a, in a metropolitan area like Chicago, I, I think, are, are pretty straightforward, whether or not you're trying to live there or, or operate. Uh, you know, you've got logistics, you've got, you know, traffic congestion, you've got inherently higher rents to deal with. Um, if you're kind of zooming out to the business environment, You've got kind of ingrained uh, practices, regulatory practices, kind of political institutions that, you know, have a lot of inertia when you kind of fundamentally changing a model a business model and in industry. Uh, but all of that kind of gives way to why we're investing in Chicago specifically. Um, you know, the, the urbanization challenges will continue to create demand for housing, uh, you know, we, we we talk about the movement of the population quite a bit, but you know, this this uh, housing affordability tends to be most acute in an, a dense urban environment, and so modular and its value proposition is really well suited for a market like Chicago that just has has the population that it does. You know, the weather helps. I mean, we are the windy city, um, but more notoriously, or you know lake effect snowdrifts in the winter. Um, and that those, those, those weather impacts tend to create risk and disruption uh, for traditional construction sites, i.e. done outside on site. And so the continuity of our process, it's a balmy 65 degrees in our factory every day of the year um, that, that allows us to keep production up and uh, you know, continue to drive our profitability, even when you're getting these kind of inherent weather risks that, that are impacted. But I, I think more holistically, you know, the the challenges in an urban environment and the collective community initiatives and efforts, nonprofits, you know, we're, we're talking about a double sided equation here of the inputs of workforce development on the labor shortage. That's also a challenge for the city that the city's invested in solving the demand side dynamics of the real estate investments and the housing needs. They're coming together and we're not fighting that fight alone. And that's where we're finding really great partnerships. And, and being located in, in an urban market, um, can you speak to the importance of those lean manufacturing practices that you were, that you were speaking about before? 
Absolutely. I mean, so you tend to end up deploying your uh, on you know a relatively tight site, and so if you think with the end in mind, you've got traffic disruptions. You have little room to maneuver in and around probably an, a, an urban dense environment. So it's not like you have a huge laydown area where you can just dump a year's worth of construction in and around the property perimeter. And so that means you're you're inherently designing in a just in just in time design uh, a, a practice delivery practice, and so you want to be able to design, engineer, detail, produce, ship, and install in 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 a fluid and flowing process. And that's exactly uh, all the the body of work, both in manufacturing and then its adoption and construction around lean and lean manufacturing principles. Um, as far as your clients, are they are they working along the same timeline as you as far as as project from from initiation to completion? Yeah, I, I think that that kind of really helps add a little bit of color on what we're doing here at Skender. I mean, a lot of the conversation, a lot of the attention that we're getting is around the modular approach and the factory that we're standing up. But just as important is the vertically integrated uh, platform that we've developed. We've got an in-house design practice. Obviously, the manufacturing um, facility and capabilities are part of the group. And then you're, we're really talking about a 64-year-old proven builder as it's you know, kind of at the group level. So this, what that does to answer your question is it allows us to provide kind of turnkey services. You know, modular uh, has got a lot of different deployment models. Uh, if you're reading a lot of the press, for us... We're not reverse engineering modular into a development in a project or a program plan that was already done in isolation. We're, we're able to partner with our developers even as early as, you know, trying to build up a land bank that, that really tunes itself well to capitalize on the downstream benefits of this delivery process. So the, the earlier, the better. Um, and like I said, having that tip of the spear being you know, a, a well-informed design team, a world-class design team that can can do all those aspects of design, but are extremely intimately aware of our production capabilities and strengths and designing the project from even, like I said, literally picking the right address. Um, it re- really provides a, a, a different set of services to our development partners. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned kind of moving from uh, a project-based formula to a, to one based on a product. Um, can you speak to to the pressure that puts on kind of the front end design and and that kind of uh, those efforts? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, in calling it pressure is definitely that that urgency of front loading a lot of the process. Uh, outside of the modular conversation, we've learned this in design build and integrated project delivery. So there's a lot of running examples of what this looks like in development. But for us, what this basically means is we're, we tend to have a sweet spot when our developers um, or our clients have a long lens of this, the future portfolio. And for them to really start articulating what strategies are they folding into their real estate assets for whatever market. And, and for, for that to be articulated, that allows us to sit there and look for these early decisions to get that commonality and bake that in. And so there is kind of a shifting, of, you know, trying to get certainty as early as possible so that we can release the power of production. And that's going to lend itself to certain types of developments. And then there are certain 
certain developments that are going to need to have, um, you know, the ability for a lot of adaptability late in the process. And, you know, there are ways around that, but the sweet spots will be, you know, teams that are looking at, you know, large scale deployment of real estate or solving a, a, you know, trying to land on a consistent brand or product experience that we can kind of rally around, intimately understand and build a product and a process around it. And and it's it's just a, a different way of approaching your traditional real estate development. And yeah, currently modular accounts for, I think, um, I think one study said 5% of, of all construction. Um, what obstacles do you see remaining in the way of, of increasing market share? And uh, and what needs to change in the industry to, to, to have more people consider modular as, as a possibility? Yeah, I think that number comes from the Modular Building Institute. I think McKinsey kind of cross-validated that number. It's a good one. Um, you know, a small 5% of construction is still, you know, relatively enormous. I think that's a U.S., U.K. number. Um, I may be blurring my math. That's still, you know, $750 billion. It's a, it's still an enormous number with a lot of upside, which is, again, that sounds like a sweet spot to invest in and rationalize. Um, the, the growth of modular, I think, has three things that it needs to rationalize. Um, a market understanding, awareness, and education effort. I mean, they're all kind of part parcel, one of the same things. I mean, if I say modular and instantly you have a mental association with mobile homes at the end of that sentence, that's a huge education opportunity. I mean, people walk into our facilities when they walk into our products, the, the jaw drop factor is fantastic. And that's something that we... We need to move towards what, say, a Japanese or Scandinavian market's impression is that this is where I get higher quality. I go to modular or manufacturing processes, so I don't get you know a stick built kind of thrown together you know carpentry experiment. And this is this is the work that we need to do, um, where we see other international markets kind of out ahead. Now, on the flip side, the supply side of that conversation is is always going to be. The challenges that we knew going in this um, initiative as a builder, uh, again, you know, builders are bumping around a good year, meaning low single digits and profitability. That's, you know, that's a straight line conversation to how much capital do you have in the tank to really s- mobilize your own capital investment to, to drive production, the equipment that's needed. And then, and then, you know, part chapter two being, getting you up to scale so that you can deliver the economies of scale. So that's a, that's a hard one to punch for, you know, builders doing it in isolation. And that, that's definitely a, a unique set of challenges in addition to, you know, kind of some of the, the legacy policies that were constantly considered through a, a, a dynamic kind of, you know, design bid build uh, model that we just continue to drive. When dealing or meeting with with potential clients who may be first time or new to modular, um, is there some? Is it about education? Is it about overcoming skepticism? You know, how, how do you welcome new clients into modular? I think it's there's two, um, and a lot of times it's 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 just like any other solution provider, really understanding the strategic drivers of that developer's intent. Are, are they folding in kind of a new asset class? Are there, what, what's the differentiation that they're needing to drive or what's the scale that they're needing to drive? Those tend to have different levers and we can either 
economize at, you know, via this, uh, via this delivery model and this process, we can fine tune and innovate. There's a lot of different directions that we can go. And so that's, that's really uh, a significant portion of those early conversations and, and, you know, the prototyping conversation, because it is, you know, once you get a sense of what is possible, turning on the factory and producing it is, is where, the fun happens at scale. So that's, that's really kind of early. Um, you know, when, when we're talking about kind of doing these projects, running out development, you, you kind of hit on it with some of these earlier conversations, you know, going through the process, understanding what needs to be committed early. That's where there's, there's opportunities to learn with our developers, uh, understanding kind of the new cash flow dynamics. It, it, it does take on a different shape and flavor, and when you get comfortable with it, you begin to kind of be able to kind of lean on it as a template and and, and get a little bit more freedom on how you deploy it. And as, as far as, as facing regulations with uh, with modular, can you kind of speak to the the challenges or, or the differences between this and, and traditional construction? Yeah, um, th- there's kind of two aspects to it. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, uh, we we effectively lean on a structural steel chassis for every one of our volumetric units. So when it's said, it's going to look and feel much like any other structural, uh, structural steel delivered project. Um, However, uh, there's an interesting opportunity when we are moving more towards deploying offsite modularity to getting to a product. One of the things that we've done is the smallest uh, housing asset that we've actually designed is what we call here in Chicago, a, a Chicago three flat, which is basically a three story walk up, you know, a family per floor that, that process, we went through about 14 iterations with the city um, in kind of a pre-approval setting and got it pre-permitted with the building department. And what's great about that is while, again, we're talking about front-loading the conversation, especially when we're at the product level, uh, what this uh, reaps is now these economies of scale later on. So when we go to deploy the first um, the first three flat, we submitted our, our drawings for approval to the city. If you logged into the city's website, it's talking about a plus-minus 70-day turnaround for approvals. We got the drawings back approved the next morning. Uh, business morning. And this was late in the business day the day before. So there's, while it it's going to create, you know, some friction there because some of the, some of the timing and the sequencing needs to, to shift around a little bit. And what does that mean for inspections when, you know, you're kind of closing in buildings and day three of production, you know, we've, we've had to, we've had to think through those conversations and we've got some really great innovations in the process. And we're really excited that, uh, again, that the city of Chicago, the mayor herself um, was part of our grand opening, the building planning department, you know, the, 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 the cast of characters have been extremely supportive around us as, as we've done this in, in partnership with the city. And it's, it's, um, it, it continues to be kind of uh, the village that it really needs to take to kind of innovate the industry the way it is. And my final question is, is where do you see modular in five years? Um, you know, are there, are there technologies on the horizon that you see uh, becoming game changers for your industry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, it, in some ways I could be a little bit, uh, 
more confident about this conversation rather than just kind of a, a an off the shelf futurist that just speculates about long run kind of dynamics. I mean, if you if you project forward like all digital design, if you project forward, you know, the ability to have that digital physical connective tissue because it's you know the digital process is driving our physical production in the factory, the supply chain control. You know, if you start zooming out from that, that that reliability and consistency and the de-risking of the process and, you know, kind of that standard approach, you're you're removing a lot of risk from the equation and you're accelerating the process. That's going to ripple into a lot more market adoption. Um, You know, so right now it's a provocation. The, the the proof in five years, I, I you know, I, I would be hard pressed not to see that five percent get closer to ten percent of the market. Um, so just just more adoption. Um, and then, like I said, that kind of mind share, that awareness, that informed market that begins to look like the Japanese markets that have mobilized uh, modular construction, the Scandinavian markets. One in you know fifty percent of the market is if, if for housing in Scandinavia already has gone to a modular offsite production process, and that's and they're just out ahead because it's it's it was adopted earlier, and I you know that's why I think that it's it's kind of I don't want to be so braggadocious say I am confident that in five years you'll see this growth in the market, but there are already great canaries in the coal mine as far as where modulars move in different markets already to to reflect on. Yeah, for sure. It's got to be encouraging to see to see success stories out there already. All right, Stacy. Well, uh, I think you've answered all my questions. Um, I appreciate the time and and I appreciate your insights into into Skender and, and also the modular market as a whole. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.